Okay, you guys, here we go. Chiron's Ultras, episode number 183. Last week, we talked about heart rate zone training and RPE, which is rate of perceived exertion. And this week, we're going to talk about the seven factors that affect heart rate so that if you are choosing to use heart rate zones as your training methodology, you'll understand how these things coincide. So if you haven't listened to episode 182, all about zones and RPE, I would highly recommend that you go back because it will help give you the foundational information and knowledge to make sense of what we're going to talk about here. So let's just jump right in. Last week, like I said, we talked about heart rate zones. I told you about max heart rate, how to calculate your own max heart rate, subsequently how to calculate out your zones. And now I want to talk about how there are about seven different things that can affect your heart rate. So that you understand that the data that you're capturing from your watch, from your heart rate strap, isn't always 100% clean, so to speak, right? There's going to be things that will affect it. Some of these things are in your control and some of them are outside of your control. So let's just dive right in. The first thing, and these are in no particular order, is your core temperature. So your body's core temperature can affect your heart rate at a given intensity. So if your body's core temperature increases, your heart's going to have to work harder to dissipate that heat to cool you down. And so whatever heart rate you're at, it's going to increase as you keep going, as your core temperature rises. Okay. So if you start out and you're already warm and it's a super warm day, your heart rate is going to be higher on the day that you run the same course at the same time when the day is actually cooler. Okay. And you don't start out so warm. All right. So core temperature is one thing that's going to affect your heart rate. The second thing is caffeine and other stimulants. So obviously we know that caffeine boosts your heart rate a little bit, and that's going to affect the quality of the information that you're trying to gather. And this goes for all other stimulants. We're not going to list them all out here, but there's a bunch of things that, you know, certain medications, other supplements that can stimulate your heart rate, thus giving you, um, compromised data, so to speak. It's not clean. I guess I shouldn't say compromised. I should say that the data that you're getting, the heart rate data won't be a hundred percent clean. Okay. The third thing is your level of nervousness or excitation. So this could be on any given day, or this could be like on a race day. And quite honestly, it doesn't even have to be related to running. If it's just a day that you're super excited or nervous, maybe about a work thing or an event or something that's going to play into the chemicals that your body releases. So basically epinephrine and norepinephrine, which increase your heart rate, other emotional responses too, such as anger and frustration and anxiety, all of these can elicit this type of response. So again, if you think back to, let's just say for the purposes of this discussion that you have a normal three mile looped route that you do, and it's like a real easy rail trail. If you were 
to do this run every single day of the week, there might be a different one of these factors, of these seven factors, save for one, which you'll see in a second. Um, there might be one of these factors at play every day. There also could be more than one of these factors at play every time. Maybe it's a hot day, you've had a lot of iced coffee, and you're super nervous about this trail run because maybe you know that somebody saw a snake there last week, right? Like those are three things that could play into your heart rate data that you capture on that run. Or it's a warm day, you had a bunch of iced coffee and you're running with people that you've never run with before. So you're both excited and nervous because you're not sure if they're going to be faster than you. You don't want to hold them back. Like all of that can be at play or it's a warm day. You've had lots of iced coffee and you're frustrated and pissed off by a work thing that's been going on. Okay. So you can start to see how, if you think back to the last, you know, couple of weeks worth of your runs, what of even just these first three factors have been at play in your training. Let's move on to number four. This one is a real big one and it's your hydration status. Your blood, the blood that circulates in your body is over 90% water, 90% water. So if you're dehydrated, your total blood volume, the amount of blood in your system goes down. Okay. And this means that your heart and your circulatory system has to work harder to get the blood that's there where it needs to go. So if you are dehydrated, either one day or potentially chronically, meaning multiple day over day over day, that's going to really affect how hard your heart has to work to do the thing that you're asking it to do. So this is why we're such big proponents of staying hydrated, both on just a day in day out basis, but also leading up to your long runs and leading up to race day, a hundred percent. Like that's a big one. Number five on this list is altitude. So remember when I said seven things, seven days, seven factors, if you were doing the same route, maybe you live at altitude, maybe you don't. But I think most of you guys know that as you go up in altitude, it starts to affect you on a couple different levels, right? Your heart rate and your respiration rate increases at altitude, typically starting around 5,000 feet above sea level. Okay. And lots of people are affected by altitude differently. Some people more severely, some people less. Okay. So just keep this in mind. If this is your day to day, like you are acclimated at altitude, this is almost a non issue for you. But if you're someone like me who lives basically at sea level, and then you go and try and race, uh, do a race that's above 5,000, 6,000, 7,000 feet, you're going to start to feel some effects. As you broach closer to 9,000 and 10,000 feet, you're definitely going to feel it. So keep this in mind too. And Altitude and hydration status paired together are also really important. Think about these things outside the context of what we're talking about, how they affect heart rate. 
And just think about when the, you know, maybe you've had an experience where you did a race at altitude and you were super dehydrated and did that affect you at all? Did that affect your race performance? Now think about what if you had trained at altitude? What if you had been well hydrated in the days leading up to you took extra measures? Like all of these seven factors are really important, even outside of the context of the fact that they affect your heart rate. Okay. So keeping your core temperature in check, keeping caffeine and other stimulants in check, making or keeping, keeping tabs on your emotions, right? We talk about emotions all the time and how they can either help or hurt you in the context of ultra running. If you're super over the top, excited or nervous or angry or frustrated, or like really anxious, that can play into your performance on any given day, long run or your race. Thing number six or factor number six is a big one. It's fatigue. So fatigue, your level of fatigue suppresses your heart rate, meaning that your heart's response to increased energy demands, like going from sitting at your desk doing work to running might be slower. So you might actually struggle to achieve a heart rate that you would normally associate with a workout like zone two or intervals or a threshold run. Okay. So keeping your sleep at a good level, keeping your general fatigue uh, at bay, doing all of the things that we talk about here to stay healthy, both mentally, physically, and emotionally, and knock down that fatigue is going to be really key. And the last thing, thing number seven, is a concept called cardiac drift. And maybe you've heard of this one before and maybe you haven't, but the easiest explanation for cardiac drift is that when your heart rate drifts upwards over time, even as your effort stays the same. So if you think about it like on a graph, if your effort is at like a level five and it's going to stay at a level five over the duration of your run. But the other line that's on the graph is your heart rate and it should stay in a parallel line just for the purposes of this discussion. Okay. Just so that we can demonstrate what this might Um, what this concept is. If your effort is at at a five, then theoretically your heart rate should also be at a corresponding level five. But what happens with cardiac drift is that your heart rate keeps trending upwards, even as your effort stays the same. So the level five line is parallel with the baseline and the cardiac, your heart rate line slowly trends upward over time. Okay. So your body has to work to dissipate the heat that's created within your muscles as you run. This goes back to keeping your core temperature down. And this happens by pushing more blood to the surface of your skin so that you can supply um, fluid for sweat to cool you off. If you can keep on top of your hydration status and your core body temperature, then you can minimize cardiac drift. But what you might see, so say you, you do an interval workout you go back and you look at the data for that workout and you've, you're doing these three, five minute intervals, again, just for the purposes of this discussion with, you know, three minute 
walk recoveries between each one. Now, three minutes is ample time to recover from a five minute interval. So ideally, if you were going to look at this graph on the back end, you should see relatively the same heart rate levels for all three of those intervals. But if your core temperature is elevated, if you're tired, if you um, are dehydrated, if you're out, if you're at altitude, if you know any number of these factors are at play, you might start to see this factor, which is cardiac drift. Meaning, on that third interval, your heart rate keeps drifting up when your effort level has stayed exactly the same. So the whole idea here is just to sort of expand your understanding of the fact that if you're using heart rate to gauge your training, it's not going to be as clean cut as you might think. It might have one or more of these factors at play each and every time you do a workout. So Understanding this will help you to evaluate the data that you have been given. And if we think about it like on a broader scale, if every workout is affected, then we know that going into it. So you don't really have, unless you do all of your workouts, right? I think I said this in the last episode, in the lab, on the treadmill, with no you know, outside factors, unless that's what you're working with as your baseline, it's all a little muddy. So heart rate training is a great way to help you put some parameters on your effort, but just know that it's not a hundred percent cut and dry with clean lines across the board. These seven things in varying levels and to varying degrees can play a role in the data, in the numbers that you see. So if you listened to last week's episode, you'll remember that at the very end, I talked a little bit about how I like to use both heart rate training and RPE training, both personally and for my clients. And these seven factors are part of that reason. Because if you rely solely on your watch or your heart rate strap to get the data, and to evaluate how you're doing without taking the time to physically evaluate it by using some form of RPE training, I think you're at a severe disadvantage because you've lost the ability or you don't learn the ability to physically evaluate how you're doing. And you might be a little less in tune with the fact that maybe one or more of these seven factors are at play on any given day with your training. So I I think that if you can marry the two, RPE and heart rate training, you're at a bit of an advantage because you're developing both skills. You're understanding how your heart rate affects your training, like where you what level you have to be at in order to hit certain zones to achieve certain training outcomes. But at the same time, you're building that skill of understanding your body better so that should an issue arise, you know how to handle it. You understand, oh man, my core temperature, I'm not able to cool myself down. I shouldn't have had that second or third cup of coffee. Or if I'm super stressed or excited about something that's going to play into my run effort for the day. My hydration status has been a little lax lately. I really need to beef that up. 
You know, if you have the opportunity to train at altitude, that's a huge advantage, especially if you are doing a race at altitude. Your general level of fatigue, you know, keeping up with your sleep, mitigating any of these um, these these factors are going to be really helpful in your overall long-term training picture. So hopefully that was helpful for you guys. If you have questions, if you're unclear on something, hit me up on Instagram, send me an email. I always love to hear from you guys. Don't forget the She Runs Ultras membership opens up on this coming Monday, the 25th. If you are on the wait list, you will get an email from me. It's not too late to get yourself on the wait list. Just go to sherunsultras.com to get on that wait list and to get more information about the program. That's all for this episode, you guys. Enjoy this beat, and I'll see you all soon.